jackasses forgot to say the name. It's Bods and Bees. Hey, this is Trevor. This is Mason. And the topic of this week is prepping for a D&D or tabletop mm-hmm. session. I was just playing Resident Evil yesterday, so I'm thinking about you're, you're in this weird place and what steps or keys or XYZ do you have to find so that you can get to the place you actually want to go? That's that's a way to think about building an adventure is they are heading straight for the goal, but it doesn't feel like an adventure if there's not obstacles. Yeah. If there's not adversity. Um, so, so thinking about what those obstacles are are going to be the most useful. And like you can do that with random generators online. You can do that by just bullet pointing stuff out and seeing what sticks. You can have it be super narrative focused based on the story that you have, or you can have it based on the environment you're in. There's lots of ways to do it, um, but that that's the most important thing is to like have these steps. Um, yeah. And the players might throw a curveball at you and go around one of your steps in a cool way, but and just just doing the prep makes you able to handle that because you know what else is kind of around, right? Yeah. Um, what, what you just described, I've been trying to use more, and I named it today, and it's a terrible name, but I call it prob- the problem-solution method, where mm-hmm. basically you know where they're going. There's probably real names for all this shit, but oh, we yeah, just definitely. live in our own world sometimes. Definitely. Sometimes um, it's harder to like go on. I, can't, I have ADD, so I can't. If I really want to get session prep done, I can't go online and look up anything. Because then I'm just looking up the me- different mechanics P- DMs have made for alchemy systems in their games. Instead of making maps like I should have been. I feel you there, dude. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, you're, 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 you know where they're trying to go. Whatever shape you picked, right? Whatever their goal is. And so you're going to throw obstacles at them, whether it's a combat, whether it's just an encounter that could become combat or could be solved peacefully. It could be just they need to cross a chasm and the bridge has been broken. Mm-hmm. And so you want to bring the problem to the players and have an idea for like two or three solutions for it. These are not the only solutions, but it is ways to get through it. That mm-hmm. way, if you know ways it can be solved, when they throw you that curveball, like Trevor said, you're going to be able to be like, yep, that'll work, or no, nah, dude, that ain't going to fly. Because you, you just have enough background about it. Like, when I was going off about the politician, you know, the court hearing thing, that's problem-solution method. Each person there is a problem because they're not agreeing with the players. And each of them has a solution, and some of them don't, which is fine, provided you make sure that success is still available Mm-hmm. And you have a way to make sure the players don't get bogged down on trying to solve an unsolvable puzzle. Because they will. They will bash their heads against that. Yeah. Um, this goes to the classic, like, you know, should you make it so that a door, you know, that the, the thief tries to pick a lock and then they fail. And so they keep just trying to pick the lock over and over again. And then everybody's like, this sucks because we can't go through the dungeon until you pick this lock. You want to avoid that. You want to have, if they can't pick the lock, what are other ways they can do it? You know, mm-hmm. is it a rickety door and they break it down but risk someone hearing it? Whatever. Um, don't tie things 
to one specific solution that is tied. You, you can tie to a specific solution, but don't let that specific solution have a chance of failure. Absolute failure. Yeah. Because then your session dies and everybody's grumpy. You know, w- would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's really important um, to always, like the beauty of like tabletop role-playing games is that you aren't bound to this invisible wall scenario mm-hmm. you run into in video games where it's like, no, I can literally see the mountains over there, but I can't get there. The yep. game designers put trees up there, but I can't go interact with the tree or whatever. You know, in D&D, for example, you can say, hey, I'm going this way instead of this way. Um, and I think a good GM would react to that and make it feel like it had a consequence, even if they weren't ready to give that action a consequence. Um, like the, the solution I always use for if I want to put a locked door in a dungeon it's like if they fail once, they're going to succeed the second time they attempt, but there's going to be a random encounter. That's the cost. Yeah. Right? They spent too long. Yeah. They, they, they call it failing forward. I, I feel like that's, not, that's a bit of a misnomer, but basically just ensure there is some cost they can pay to always succeed in something that you, has one solution. And if it has multiple solutions, provide ways for them to find the others. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a chasm and it's like, well, we could burn a spell slot and have the wizard fly everyone across great we could take time and chop down a tree and do that or we could use ropes that we brought with us because we're prepared adventures you know there's Mm -hmm. a million ways they could do it and and something like a chasm like honestly you don't even have to have tons of solutions because everybody knows a million ways to get across a pit you just want to see what the players will do and that's yeah that's that's good i always do that i have a my other campaign they have a centaur so uh (laughs) oh boy I let him play that, but I told him that any time they have to traverse anything that involves climbing, they're going to have to have a solution for him. Yeah. Because he's not, he's not physically going to be able to climb up anything. And so that has been one of the things in the campaign. Like, everybody is, like, having to cast spider climb on him and, like, waste spell slots so that it can get through places. And But it's, be, it's a thing that's, that I keep doing because it's funny um, yeah. to the group. You know, but if it wasn't fun, I would just stop putting cliffs. Like, it's not hard to do from a design standpoint. I just say, there's not a, a cliff here. Like, you don't have to climb up anything. Yeah, like I was gonna ask, do you do you make it so the centaur can't go downstairs? Uh, horses can't go downstairs. I know cows can't. I believe horses can't as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. People who have horses. Yeah, I don't like, know if horses would be able to do a prolonged staircase. They can do. I know they can do like a couple steps, but yeah. like going down a long staircase would get dangerous because they yeah. they slippery. But that's the line, right? Where it's like, well, then I can't put stairs anywhere, or else it becomes this giant ordeal. Or I can just say, you can do stairs. It's fine. Yeah. You know, no, knowing when it's still gonna be fun and when it's gonna be like, okay, this crap again. Yeah, you don't want to put important. an obstacle in that is so like obnoxious that it bogs down the game every time yeah um, so so to your point having multiple solutions for these obstacles that you're throwing up that's the basics of designing encounters in tabletop role-playing games is they want this thing what is keeping them from getting it is it having enough money is it having a resource is it um you know and then it's just 
layers of these obstacles that create conflict and help them get the gold and experience and the sense of a of a moving world yeah um a question an area i'd like to explore just because it's it's a piece of advice that really is the most important one because we've talked about a lot of just ways to plan and i know i kept saying we'd go to the dungeon aspect i, I don't know if we'll have time hopefully we will but i want to get to this mm -hmm. first for sure um the biggest part of prepping is you as a gm need to know what works for you these are things that work for us explanations and areas and approaches that work and i, I do think approaching your prep with a goal is important it's going to work for anybody but you need to reach a point as a game master where you can be self-aware enough to to figure out and think about your prep in a way to make your future prep better mm -hmm. um and part of that's going to be recognizing just like an ebb and flow we've talked about a little bit how prep can carry over and sometimes you'll come unprepared and that's fine um and sometimes you're gonna be scrambling and that does not mean you're a bad gm that that's part of just being a human being it's not going to be a machine pooping out sessions every single time you know um so do you want to talk a little bit about how just a, a, as a person we approach looking at our prep we, we've done it a little bit mm -hmm. but just genuinely like um how how we do it what we are good at what tools we we have as an individual that allow us yeah. to prep in a way that might be unique yeah for me two of the main things i use are like one note uh and roll 20 because if we're playing i have to have some of the nitty-gritty ready on roll 20 you know i have to have a token to yeah. put on the map if it's going to be a combat um I do like area maps and regional maps. Like when we go to a new region, like we just went up north to the Sea of Grasses. So I spend a lot of time working on an area map for that. Uh, is it necessary? I could have done it in a lot of other ways, but that's stuff I spent time on because it helps me discover the area as I'm making the map. Because I draw the map, I start putting terrain features on, and then that just sparks in me what is going to live in that area. So if the same so breaking that down to a, a session level, if I know the setting and if I know what some of the obstacles are, then I can start throwing other details around it to make it more make more sense. You can start connecting things. Yeah. To then make a so, cohesive So role. I have to I have to start at the wide view and go narrow um, most of the time. Because if I start really narrow, uh, I struggle to latch onto the bigger picture, and then I just have like a lot of detail in one area. <laughs> yeah. And, and like an obnoxious amount of detail in one area, and then the rest of the adventure is kind of... Eh. Paper mache. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so like I, I do that, and then I'll use OneNote, I'll use Maps, um, and those give me a lot of inspiration too, because if I find, like, we play on Roll20, so we just, I use, like, digital maps online that people have drawn. Um, I have a guy I follow on Patreon, I use his maps a lot. And sometimes I'll find a map, and I know that we're going to fight something, and I will change what we're going to fight, because the map is so cool, and I think it'd be really cool to fight on this map with flying things rather than foot soldiers or whatever. 
that's that's actually a really important thing um, that we haven't talked about yet. Is just anytime you're prepping, whether it's before session or during the session, genuinely as much as it can hurt, do not be afraid to throw stuff out. Mm-hmm. Just 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 chuck it away if something feels better and feels cooler, because the subconscious part of the human brain evolved to understand information through stories. Mm-hmm. That means you as a game master have 30,000 years of evolution of what makes a story good Yep. going on in your subconscious. And so if an idea pops in your head, capitalize on it, use it because it's going to feel good and it's going to just get your brain going in a direction that's going to be able to keep going. I, I was going to say, that's why I use maps to do like the big picture stuff. Yeah. Because then I can start telling stories about like, oh, if the mountains are here and this tribe lives here and this tribe lives on the other side... They probably don't meet each other very often, and when they do, they're scared of these people on the other side. Yeah, you know, um, so like that helps me tell a story, which then makes the prep more engaging for me, but also yeah. gives me a lot of backdrop for the player. So if they're going into the spooky forest and there is a swamp, but there's also a place with uh, that has this big crash or some monster has been traipsing around. You know, you can start to tell a story about how those two things interact and it can give you inspiration for more things to be in the forest. Yeah, the the human mind is programmed to find ways in which things are connected, even if they aren't, right? Mm-hmm. That's how mythological gods exist. There there has to be something causing the, the thunder. It's it's Thor, the thunder god, and also he goes on adventures with his, his adopted brother, Loki, you know? and And these stories evolve from, like, we get the story of Thor drinking a horn that is the ocean. It's like, how did we get from dad? Why, why is there lightning and thunder to this tale of a dude, you know, drinking the ocean? How awesome he is. It doesn't matter. It's great. <laughs> you, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how you got there. It's a good story. Um, and that the interconnectedness is how, how I do a lot of mine. Um, a lot of my prep, I will, I'll start with just like bullet points of stuff I need, whether, whether it is the setting, the backdrop, the combat, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the the players involved whatever it is i'll make bullet points of all the stuff i will need and i'll start just working on one of them and invariably i'll bounce between a bit much different things in one note i do my planning in one note as well uh mm-hmm. i guess for context one note and roll 20 are tools that both trevor and i use one note is a microsoft thing um it is just a you hear it's like a very, very souped-up version of a do- of a word processor. Um, you can mm-hmm. create tabs and and just subcategories down and down and down and format things very easily to structure your ideas. Um, and it works really well for D and D. And then Roll Twenty is an online website service to host uh, games on. Um, yeah. You can import maps, images. It has audio and everything. Yeah, it's basically um, the the structure to do combat and stuff. You know. Yeah. It, it allows you to have a character sheet and roll dice on it and stuff. Yep. Um, and so I'll, I'll be in OneNote and I'll I'll make tabs for the stuff I need or, or bullet points. Then I'll be bouncing and I'll I if I'm in a pinch, like say I've got three hours and that's all the time I have to do my prep in, I will just start at the top. I'll start with whatever bullet seems interesting, and start working, and I will start bouncing around to the other bullet points because th- those are going on in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. I'm going to think about how they're interacting with each other. And I have to kind of walk a line between not thinking about the other things, just like Trevor said, and I'll have one really fleshed out area. And and the other side of, 
I spend so much time just moving between tabs and writing one sentence that I never get anything done. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, story um, life. right. But that, that connectedness then makes a very cohesive story because just those subtle nods, you don't have to spell out that, you know, the area that's all demolished is because of the gigantic saltwater crocodile living in the swamp. But when the players see this 10 foot tall, 40 foot long crocodile, they'll be like, hey, you think that's what broke down all those trees? Mm-hmm. Whether you confirm it or not doesn't matter. The characters are interacting with the world in a way that is more real now because they're asking questions that don't necessarily matter, quote unquote, right? Yeah. They're, they're now just expressing curiosity about a thing that they saw, which is very, very powerful right that's going to capture their imagination now right they're making connections between seemingly unrelated things which means they're engaged in the story um yeah the well we've kind of been all over the board we've given a lot of examples we've talked about some things that we do Uh, uh, i'm curious what other people do i've watched a lot of videos and i've come to realize that like people just work differently Like, I understand and structure things in my brain differently, and there are different things in D&D specifically that I get more joy out of prepping. Yeah. Um, So I, and I struggle to work on one thing for a prolonged amount of time. So for me, I have to balance prepping what I'm not good at doing on the fly and, like, finding some things to prep that I really love making. I love making magic items and coming up with weird spells. And I love uh, drawing, like coming up with maps for an area. So then I just make that a part of how I run D&D. So I do exploration on this big overhead map. And then when we get to the, the point of interest... Then I do the random tables and stuff, right? So, so I make what I enjoy doing part of how I run D and D, and then make minor adjustments, you know, to match the group I'm playing with. Yeah, it's it's important to strike a very healthy balance between running the game as fun for the GM and for the players, and prepping the game still needs to be fun for the GM. Like, yeah. It, otherwise, you're never going to do it, and your game's probably going to die, right? Yeah. And and if your the prep that's fun for you is flipping through a module book and, and tweaking stuff to make it feel more like you awesome find the workflow that does that for you because then you're going to be having fun right you get to explore a new story and make it yours and then share it with your players yeah. that's sweet a, a thing that, that i've done that has made me so much more efficient at prep is like finding a couple tools that work for me that like make sense to me that i can quickly do some things on yeah, You know, like there's some good character generators out there. If you're not good at making maps or you hate making maps, there's lots of great maps online, but there's also lots of like random map generators Yeah, that like do a good enough job. And if you can run combat well, then what it doesn't matter that much, you know? Yeah. Maps, maps are, I have a love hate relationship with, relationship with maps. I love making maps, but I'm very, very picky. Yeah, um, it's the same thing with, with music. Like, I would love to have music during my sessions, but I, it needs to be the perfect song for every moment. And then I get hyper-focused on the music and stop running the session. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not good. <laughs> um, it's like, I, I, I have made every map I've ever used. 
outside of running a module. And it's like, that's so unnecessary. Like yeah. my time would be better spent. Otherwise, even though I enjoy making maps, I, I just get so hyper-focused on like, this map is not what I want it to be. And I, that's something as a GM, I need to get over. Cause I, I uh, this is, this is going to be heartbreaking to everyone who is as crazy about maps as we are. 80% of D and D combat at least ends up, in the same 20 squares anyway. Yeah. And and that's part of why I like making my own maps. I love finding ways to make the terrain interactive and, and yeah. shake that up, right? But not every combat needs that, for one. And I did not realize how stressful running online games was for me uh-huh. until we went back to in-person games, which was just the, two weeks ago. And I was like, holy cow, I don't have to make maps. Because it was taking up all of my planning time was just mm, making maps. Yeah. Right? Um, l- luckily, like the, the bullet point thing I talked about is what I do when I have no other choice but to sit down and plan. My brain is weird. Um, if you have not noticed by now, I'm sorry, you probably have a brain similar to mine. Um, welcome, brother or sister. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I can literally make the bullet point and walk away if I do it in, in advance. If I'm able to get like a week in advance of making the bullet point, I can just walk away. And as long as I just have time where I'm not actively working on something, I'm just like relaxing, watching TV, playing video games or reading. My brain can just in the back of my head, the subconscious can kind of just chew on that. And then, you know, Friday comes around. I GM on Sundays. Friday comes around and I just like write down the stuff and it's already almost a fully formed idea. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, if I'm being honest, I do that a lot too, where right? I will say, here's what I need for the session. I need an NPC for them to run into. I need a couple encounters and I need like some enemy types that would be interesting for them to run into in this environment potentially. Yeah. And then I'll just like chew, like, like you said, if I have five days to think about it, then, you know, when I'm driving somewhere or when I'm doing mindless things like washing the dishes you know i'll just think about it or uh something i do i'll i'll just talk out loud to myself yeah and ask myself questions I'm like okay they're going to the spooky woods so what makes the woods spooky is it like a ghostly thing or is it like there's dangerous animals is it always dark there is there no light do yeah. the trees in oh there's no light so why is there no light Oh, the trees don't just photosynthesize. They absorb light that gets near them. Oh, that's cool. That makes a really badass forest. And then I just keep asking questions. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I have a spooky forest that now I'm going to force you guys to go through because that's a great idea. That is a really cool idea, right? But like that, I think what that what we're trying to say here is procrastination can be helpful, provided it's done in a healthy way. Because that lets you tap into that 30,000 years of evolution I talked about, where your brain can kind of just chew on the premise, the the, the framework you've created, right? And, and fill in so many of the gaps in a way that is going to be cooler than if you try and force it all out at once. And, mm-hmm. and, well, and we are able to take... Go ahead. That's like with anything, like most people aren't, like fantastic at drawing they're fantastic at sketching and then adding on to it and then refining yeah. it and and writers aren't good at writing they're good at editing 
like yeah like and, come up come up with an idea and then walk away and come back to it and and say is this still a cool session yeah or what do i need to change yeah you, you talk to the people and and trevor and i are able to leverage that i would say probably more than the average person because we have year you know collectively probably what decades mm-hmm. of gming between the two of us and so we have so much past experience that our subconscious can rely on that we just have and that we can just kind of putter around the idea and so you you may not start there and sometimes you will be there and then you'll you'll drift away from being able yeah. to do that and you'll have to do more planning so i think that's where that growth flux comes from yeah oh definitely i we talked about it before we started recording it I don't have to think about prep a lot. So when we were prepping for this episode, I was like, what the hell do I do? Same. I sit down for a couple hours a week and do D&D prep, but what do I actually do? Uh, yeah. And it's it, it can be hard when you are experienced. And I say experienced, not necessarily skilled at something. Um, yes. That you sometimes don't think about your process and aren't critical of it. So this has been a good exercise for us. Uh, to end it, what I would like to ask is you have 10 minutes to come up with your prep. You run in late. You're still going to do the session. Um, but if you were like a new GM and you only had an hour... 30 minutes, whatever, like what is the crunch time prep that you need to do real quick and how, how can you make it easier? My first piece of advice would be use something you already know well. Yes, please. So pick, pick a level from a video game that you've played a million times, pick a book series and boil the plot down to something that can happen in one adventure. Yeah. And and just do that. Copy it and just describe things slightly differently. Yeah. Um, we talked about MacGuffins, how they're just a thing you need to get to move the plot or win. Uh-huh. Do that, right? They need to get a thing. There's a bunch of stuff in the way. Once they get the thing, you won. Good job, guys, right? That, mm-hmm. that, that That's a plot because it's simple and it's easy to understand. Um, I thought your question was going to be just as me, not as new GM. And no, as, as a, like, as, like as a new GM is a better question. Yeah, um, I, I wanted us to we we've been vague and we've been talking yeah. about like philosophy a little bit this episode more than yeah. like hard and fast do this, um, but there are a lot of other places that do that. But I did want to want us to think a little no, differently. I, I think it's good that way because the, 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 we we've got the abstract thought process. Now we need something to anchor it to, and mm-hmm. it just needs to be for me it. it bullet points what is going to happen who is involved you you need to ask i I was actually literally just doing this because i was prepping to prep for this episode if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and isn't overly convoluted which i doubt um because i just like trevor i don't think about my prepping process very much and so i wanted to do prepping and then have like an hour to sit and be like now why did i do what i did and so um have areas you want to have key things you want to have happen sort of your highlight stuff, right? The, the the big, the start and end should be on there. The, these would be like your cutscenes if you're playing through yeah. a video game level. You, these are, your, your HD plot is happening stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then you need the the goal. 
you need obstacles and you need to understand why those things are obstacles because when you understand why it's an obstacle you can then understand how it's overcome okay so what are some tools you can use to help you quickly fill those blanks in is there anything you use like i've used anything from like i said just literally ripping off a story i know well like i'll take a 400 page book that i've read Mm -hmm. and just boil it down to adventurers needed this had to fight these kinds of people to get it and then were betrayed um and, I would and say my, that, yeah, and, or I've also rolled dice. Like there's lots of story dice where like one is like a type of animal and it's like, you know, 20 sided dice with a bunch of animal pictures on it. And there's things online you can do for those where it's like, I just need something fast. So I'm going to roll it. Okay. I got a crab. Um, I've got a, a castle and I have a tree how are those all going to be an adventure? Yeah, like that's super valid. Um, one, how I do recommend... those plug into these obstacles things? Like, yeah. are, is the tree, is the castle, and the crab all three different obstacles? Are they all one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, ultimately, I, I would say the easiest place to start is a what if. Uh-huh. Right? Most fantasy or sci-fi starts, the, the premise for the whole thing starts with a what if question. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the cyberpunk one shot that I ran for you, Dave and Ryan, right. Um, for context, I, I ran a cyberpunk red one shot for, uh, Trevor, Dave, and my other friend, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, none of us had played cyberpunk red before I read the rule book. It was a Friday night and I was like, yo, this looks dope. I want to run one shot. And Dave and Trevor were like, yo, you want to do one tomorrow? I was like, sure. <laughs> um, and pulled it out of my butt and I think it was the right time. Oh, it was um, fun. Yeah. And it started just literally as a what if, what if the EMTs, what if there was a fake EMT service in cyberpunk world? Why would they be doing, and that gave me a spot to start with the concept and then just be like, who would make a fake EMT service? Mm-hmm. What do they want? What are they getting from it? How do the players find it? And then I can grow from there. Yeah. You know, what if, and so be in the setting, the system you're in, it has a setting. So ask a what if about the setting and yeah, then look, what at if, the fluff, what if, look at the fluff of the rule book, right? What if all the crops started dying? Yeah. And then you then you go, oh, okay, yeah, we're in like a, we're in the beginning town, you know, it's a small farming mm-hmm. area and all of the crops start dying. Yeah. And so, so then you can either make the adventure about the crops dying or about keeping people from stealing each other's food yeah you you have a cool monster and that's it you say okay well what if this monster and then put it in a situation what if hobgoblins took over a small town that's a classic plot right Mm -hmm. but this is specifically hobgoblins not just like a hobgoblin and a couple of undergoblins so what does that tell you what do hobgoblins look in the setting like in the setting you're in you know yeah they're more typically more organized and more have more combat prowess and smarter yeah and so you, you take some aspect of the setting that you're in because hopefully the setting you're doing your game in is something you enjoy, right? And mm-hmm. so then asking questions about like weird edge cases can do that. There was, um, what's the name of that magazine you sent me? Uh, Arcadia? Yeah, Arcadia. Um, Matt Colville, 
did Arcadia, and there was a, a little one-shot adventure in there. It was really well written, and it was about what if the house of the future from sci-fi existed in fantasy. Yeah. Right? That that was it's the whole thing. A magical artificial intelligence controls a little laboratory. Yeah, and, and what if it becomes self-aware and kicks out all the scientists, and the, stu- the adventurers stumble across that? And you can go from there to all kinds of places that are really, really cool. And so if you don't know where to go, I would say start with a what if. Mm-hmm. That's going to get your mind racing, hopefully. Yeah, if you, if you want to make something custom, you know, also if you only have 30 minutes uh, and you just have to get something out, there's a, a good resource called like One Page Adventures if you just need a starting point. So if you go, if you look up just one page adventures for D and D or whatever, a lot of them are system as agnostic. So they just like give you plot points, and some of them are like come with maps and are super well designed and have character prompts. That's you know, sweet. some of them are all text, and are just like here are all the things that are in the adventure, and here's how the mystery unfolds. Um, and I've run a few sessions like that and they can be very fun because it lets me improvise a lot which i'm good at um but it also gives me a solid framework to bounce that off of yeah so so that's another tool like if you don't have a lot of time grab grab something like that and adapt just quickly adapt it to fit what's already happening in your campaign yeah absolutely just take an idea and twist it up right my my other campaign started with one of those i just had i had everybody show up i they none of only a few of them had played D &D before so i just did pre-gen characters for all of them like literally off a character generator online and just printed them out with blank names and then i just put a bunch of characters on the table and said pick one and then I put four adventures on the table and said, pick one. You can't read it. Just which one looks the coolest? Because they all had maps. Yeah. And and then they just picked one. And then we played one session. And they were like, this was awesome. We're just going to keep going, starting from that, those woods we just stumbled out of. Yeah, you, you got to start somewhere. And, and genuinely, the hardest prep you'll do is your first few sessions. Yeah, like, because you're in a vacuum, then, right? the The more prep you have done, the more background you have, and then as you play, the more background your players have, and then yeah, it all, it all builds on itself for sure. We, we talked about that framework and how you can just fill in things. That framework now just is perpetually moving forward, and you can lean on that when you need to, which is really really powerful. Well, we haven't said everything there is to say about prepping we could probably come back with like more specific like hard-hitting do this don't do this but i think it was good for us to talk about like some more generic practices that that we do um yeah that we've tried to kind of help help focus you know the meat of what you need is this story arc and that can be very crunchy and mechanical, or it can be very, you know, hey, they're going to go from here and get to here, and what happens in between, you know, is yeah. up to the dice, or up to fate, or up to what the players say. Um, so let let us know uh, 
what would be a more useful specific prep question to maybe talk about or um, maybe like types of adventures or types of campaigns that you're interested about because between the two of us we've run a lot of different stuff yeah uh, like a I've, lot i've done some like west march style i've done hex crawl or hex explorer i've done gigantic dungeon i yeah i've done mega dungeons um done some sci-fi stuff not as much as i'd like to um mm-hmm. a variety of systems so then like system you know tailoring yeah. planning to a system which is important even though we tend to stay away from mechanics in general um i can talk about you know the generic i have a thing but now i'm moving to a new system how do i adjust my planning um, yeah i had another one yeah um it's gone that's fine <laughs> uh, or even like a story of the week thing like oh, a, yeah. an episodic yeah done episodic. Like, like those are super fun and and those are a challenge in and of itself. I've gotten mm-hmm. kind of spoiled because I'm running two campaigns right now. And prepping for campaigns is in a way easier because like if you don't wrap up the episode, then you just pick up next time. But if you're running an episodic thing, <clears throat> you have to make sure you can get it done in one night. Yeah, one shots are actually one of the hardest things to, to plan for and run in my opinion. You have to have so much more control over the tone and pacing of the, it's the a, session. They're, they're a very nice challenge. It, that, that might be a good episode to talk about. and I'd be interested to hear what Dave has to say. And maybe maybe we should just run one as a group. Yeah. Like I'd, off, that'd be sweet. off mic and then talk about it from everybody's perspective because they are hard. They can be hard. They can be a lot of fun and they're a good challenge. They're, they're a lot more intimidating, honestly, mm-hmm. because it... You know, in a campaign, if you have like a bum session, it's whatever. But in a one shot, the bum session is the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can talk my, about those. My one shots always turn into a three to five shot. I I usually over plan for those because I know I need to plan more. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, the I, funny thing about running a one shot is you, like, because in a campaign, I want to show you guys like all the cool shit I prepared. And so, mm-hmm. sometimes I have to hold myself back and be like, no, don't let, don't let them see everything. You know, it's fine. Um, but in a one shot, you're literally like, we have 30 minutes left. So I'm going to have to chuck out this entire subplot and I'm going to have to do this. And then, yeah, where, uh, how do I literally rush them to the conclusion? So what I've actually done, that's what I was trying to remember. I've actually done a fair bit of that. And that's where I sort of got my start in system designing is cause, um, one of my buddy, one of my buddies from my other group, his, he wanted to get his wife into it, but mm-hmm. she doesn't like the generic fantasy stuff. So I did a bunch of, I did a Once Upon a Time one shot, just based on the the show. And so it's the characters as they exist in the show, and that was really tough. I had to do a buttload of research on that because it's like it's a very specific thing. Yeah. So that was probably one of the toughest things to prep ever that I've done. But yeah, if you if you have like topics that you want our insight on let us know there will be links on our podcast descriptions and such and on our podcast landing page that you can bug us about various things we want to 
do content that's like useful but also enjoyable enjoyable to talk about so that yeah we'll have that weird balance but we we want to provide some of the more ancillary answers to things so yeah and if you're a player and not a gm and made it through this whole thing was it was it enjoyable and useful to you um because that's something that we should probably try and bear in mind we're kind of bad at it because we just get really excited about something um Mm -hmm. but that that, that'd be something that we're interested to hear as well because this is something that sometimes we just there's a topic that we can't address from the player side realistically and yeah. So if there's ways we can make that more engaging for you or, you know, if, if we end up doing this too often, let us know and we'll try and find a better balance kind of thing. We've talked about communication being the key to a good, set, you know, game. I think it's probably going to be key to a good podcast. So please <laughs> communicate with us. That's <laughs> what we're saying. Um, Otherwise, we'll just keep shooting stuff off into the void and not getting better. That's how, that's how you learn. You learn by getting feedback seriously and it's it's all too easy to lie to yourself (laughs) 